This week, we are talking about Women's Day. What does it really mean? Are we masking? What's up with that? Hello, and welcome to the System Podcast. I'm your host, Yushima Kamoe Cherry Burks. And I'm your host, Kimon Brown Chabalala. Okay, come on. So it sounds like we are going to start discussing the real, real behind Women's Day. We're going to unpack it, examine it, and put it out there. So listeners, let us know what you think. Join in this conversation. This is not one-sided here. Your opinion matters. So go ahead and share it in the comments. Look in the description below about ways that you can contact us, okay? All right, come on. Before we get into the thick of it, I need to know something new about you. What do you want to know? <laughs> so aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? Oh, my wife is a necessity. What could I not go a day without? Is there anything? Walter is a necessity. Eggs. I couldn't go without eggs. Really? Like if... Yeah, if there were no more eggs on the unit, on the planet, I don't think I'd cope. Eggs and milk. I think I'm still attached to my, you know, attached to the womb. Mm. I love my eggs and milk. I cannot live without my eggs and milk. But yeah, material things, no, there's mm. money. But money is a, is a necessity. But eggs, mm. I think eggs, I, I, I don't want to have to go without eggs and ice cream and milk. Please don't take those away. Yeah. That sounds good. Now the milk, I, if it's almond milk, yeah. But I cannot do milk milk. I am of the lactose intolerance kind. It does mm -hmm. not do me well. So you can drink straight cow's milk. I was raised on a glass of milk a day. I love my milk. And it doesn't I'm make you It doesn't make you mu mucusy? Probably does. I don't know. All right. Do you think I'm mucusy when you talk to me? <laughs> no. Your body probably just adapted to it. I don't probably. Know. We we adapt to things if we're forced to take it in. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. All right, come on. So you posed the question earlier mm -hmm. about Women's Day. Yeah. What does it really mean? Are we just masking? Get into it. What's your point? It's interesting. That? It's interesting because I was talking to Ken. I was like, we need to come up with a topic for this week's, you know, podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's a day before Women's Day, and we need to talk about something to do with Women's Day, I think. And mm -hmm. then she goes, and she always thinks like this, but why are we celebrating Women's Day? And I thought that's the perfect discussion to have because Women's Day is supposed to be celebrating our sexual and reproductive health and rights and, you know, violence against women and the progresses that we've made and stuff like that. But while I can celebrate the fact that we have progressed quite a bit, there is still so much work to be done. And we tend to think, well, I don't, but as human beings, we tend to think that a lot of what women go through, it doesn't affect the first world anymore. It doesn't affect the 21st century woman, but it does. We still have just the other day in America, you guys were having an issue with abortion. 
You know what I mean? Like we still have these issues. We still have difficulties trying to get restraining orders and stuff like that. Enough money going to domestic violence and abuse, enough money going to sexual, sexual and reproductive health. So I think when, when she asks the question, but are we masking? Then it's quite an interesting thing to look at because just like racism, just like they say that we've got all these new civil rights and all of that as black people, we still have all these issues. And it's not to take away from the progress, guys. I'm not saying we lose the progress. But while we're celebrating this day, what are we doing to progress to make sure that every single year we're celebrating something new, something, you know, another step in that direction? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but, what, what, mm -hmm. go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. So my concern is this. Mm -hmm. Has Women's Day been watered down much like religion? And it's just something to do now because this is something that has been a tradition or it makes you feel good or it makes you look good. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it is no longer about the movement, if it's no longer about um, the progression of women and women's rights. Is this simply something to do? Because Kay had a great point. What has really changed? And what has really changed? And, you know, people are going to say, you always bring a race into it. But, baby, I am Black. So it is what it is, right? <laughs> um, but what it's has our really lived changed? experiences. What's changed for Black women? You know what I mean? Like, um, in what spaces are we safe yet? And I'm not even talking about, like, where are we progressing as far as our, as far as policies and as far as finances and as far as cultural? Are we safe yet? You brought up two very important things for me because I, I spent a lot of, many, many years of my life being a human rights activist and a women's activist. I worked a lot in the LGBTQ community and a lot of the, in the women community, but the women's movement, the global women's movement. But I think for me, the two interesting things is the progress that we've made. We have made a lot of progress. We have. I'm not going to take that away from all the activists that are doing the work and all the all, everything that we have achieved. But then you've brought one thing up for me that I've been saying since I was a teenager. I understand that laws need to be changed. I accept that laws need to be changed. Change. But until we change minds and hearts in our communities, we're not going to achieve a lot. We aren't going to, because there are laws that protect against BV. There are laws that protect against, you know, women being able to say what happens to their body, their body, their rights. Yeah. But then when you go into a doctor's office and they don't want to serve you because the right that you're asking them to live up to, they don't believe in that and they don't want to live up to that. What do you then do? Because it doesn't matter how much you know the law. It doesn't matter how much the law exists. If they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. And they're not going to do it. And although we can go and we can fight for your rights, post what happened to you, what happened to you still happened to you. And it could have Im an impact on your, on your life that no matter the amount of work we do, it's not going to change. The other thing you said is whether or not it's just a, you know, it's a thing that we do. 
I stepped away from the LGBTQ movement and the women's movement for the most part. And a lot of what I do now, it's just with my research. It is just with, you know, me helping a woman to a woman, a lesbian, gay, bisexual person to a lesbian, gay, bisexual person. It's never like, oh, I've got to. And I had to change that. I had to change that for myself because I became a human rights activist because it was within me. It was inside of me. And I felt that. I had to stand up for these people who were being treated poorly. I had to stand up for these people whose rights weren't being, being acknowledged. We are born free. We are born free. The UN wrote it down in paper, but who are you born to? You are born free. And who should, you know, go ahead and say that you're not? So from a very young age, I've always, you know, thought that who's going to tell me what to do? And if you can't tell me what to do, why do you need to tell that girl what to do or that boy what to do or that person what to do? I've never connected with it. So I started activism from a very young age. And my thing, why I've stepped away, because I had all these colleagues who it was only about going to these, traveling the world. It was only about seeing each other. It was only about, you know, making money from it. I've never made a dime from activism. I have never made a dime from activism and I've never understood why why it would be a job. And I yes, I understand people's got to pay their bills. People's got to look after themselves. But for me, it was coming from a place where, hang on a minute, I'm not going to sit here and let you talk to her like that. I'm not going to sit here and let you do that to her. I'm not going to sit there and let you tell me that it's not okay to kiss this girl and that's, that's who I want to kiss. Yeah, so it was a different way for me to see it. But what got me and what really made me step away from the movement were two things. One, when I got into a space where I needed somebody to stand up for me, I looked around and there were none of my sisters to be found. There were absolutely none of my sisters to be found. And that solidified the first reason. When I looked around and I could go to conferences with these women, we work in the same spaces and you're telling lies on an international level. And I know that that's not happening. I know that we've had this discussion. We know the root, the, the problems in our countries. And a lot of people got caught up where they would bring stories that don't exist. And I would always think to myself, you don't need to do that because the stories that we have, the lived experience that we have in our countries they matter and they're important and we can talk about these it's not a rat race to see who is who's 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 pain is heavier than whose you don't have to make it up just say what it is and let's go from there and it happened in so many different countries in so many different spaces that in the end I thought but this is not what I want to be be a part of I want to be a part of changing women's lives I want to be a part of a man being married to a man and knowing that it's okay to be married to him if you love him and it's okay to live in your truth and be completely happy and not worry about anything else. I care about poverty. I know that kids are going to school. So what did I do? I do my own thing. People know where to find me. A lot of the people that I help, a lot of the talks that I have, a lot of the companies that I go to, it's word of mouth. It's people saying this, this person is skilled in this or this person has this to offer. And that works for me because I'm standing in my truth always. I've spoken in front of thousands of people, Kamoy, thousands of people, and I've never ever written a speech when it comes to my activism. I've never written a speech because when with a lot of things, because if I can't talk from my heart, if I can't speak from my heart and from what I feel inside here, knowing about the lived experiences of the people around me and those who I'm speaking about, then I'm not the one to ask to speak. Go ask somebody else. 
Anybody can get on their computer or go into a few books and drag up something and write a speech. Anybody can do that. But we've got to be, if you're going to be an activist for me, you've got to care about it enough and want to make a difference. So I wasn't getting that. So I found you saying, you know, what are, what, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? Are we really trying to do something? Are we just celebrating it because we're celebrating it? You know what I mean? What are we doing? If we're going to pride marches, for example, why are we going there? If we're going to say that we, we're tired of, you know, if we're going to a BLM march, it's not time to hang out and see your friends or whatever. We've got a, we've got a job to do and we've got to go and do it. And if we're not going to do it, then I'm not coming because I'm not going for anything else. You see what I mean? So there is this, this idea that, yes, we've done a lot. A lot has been achieved. But then there's so much more to be achieved. And my concern is that we are forgetting the people on the ground, the people at the grassroots level, who you go and you make all these laws. Yes, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you got them to pass this law. But what about the people who they don't even understand what law, laws are? They don't even understand to say that I can go to the police and say this man has beaten on me so much and I want to leave him. What are we doing to give her resources to make sure she get out? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That, that's how I see it. Or to piggyback on what you just said, the woman who does find a way to call the police, but the husband never gets arrested. He's never taken out the home. He's never yeah. reprimanded, right? He's outside joking and talking to the police. That's happened to me personally mm. when I was young, which is why I have memory loss because I was in a concussion. He said, he said I was knocked out for two hours before he called the ambulance. Um, wow. And so I didn't, I have spatial memory issues. So I have to use my GPS to get everywhere. And I make a joke out of it because I do get lost, like coming home from work sometimes, but spatially, that part of my brain, I don't know if it was swollen. I don't know what happened during impact. I hit my head on a stove. And we were fighting over eggs. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. But um, he didn't want me to cook the eggs or something. It was a real stupid. I don't know. It was a real stupid relationship. It was just a whole dumb situation. What about that woman who does call the police? And the officer comes. And he's either minimizing what's happened. Or he decides to take the women, the woman to jail. Or he said, "Well, I'm going to arrest both of you." If he has a, if she, if he has a defensive wound, if they both have defensive wounds or whatever, both of them will go to jail. So that's another deterrence from victims to call the police. Or if you are, you know, chummy with the police officers, if mm -hmm. you have a, re a relationship with them, or you just know that you're going to have police officers that come to your house that may not take it. Seriously, so the resources are there, but are they being utilized to the best of the ability of the people providing them? Like, are you really doing your due diligence to make sure the victims of abuse, men and women both, right? Because there's going to be people in the comments. What about the men, right? Men and women both are mm -hmm. being considered for, you know, their well-being and their safety. I've seen it happen too many times. I mean, recently, a week ago, one of my clients was in a situation like this. So, and he's had to, she's had to call the police several, several, several times. And he's never been taken. So, or he was taken and they released him. 
But that's why I say that community has to change. We've got to change mind and hearts because we are socialized into doing things one way. A lot of boys who beat on their girlfriends, a lot of girlfriends who beat on their wives, who, you know, in relationships, a lot of people who beat on each other or who, you know, attack and stuff like that, who are abusive, they don't know how to do better. So when do we begin as a society to look at the root cause of the problem and say, this is what we need to attack? Because the law book is going to be there. He, the police officer probably doesn't even know the law himself. He probably has no idea what the rights of the people in his community are. Some of them do, and some of them overlook it. But then there are those who you say, oh, I'm referring to section 111. And he's thinking, what the hell is section 111? What is she talking about? There's no such thing. Or they'll get extremely scared just that you mentioned section something. And you're, you might mention something that doesn't even exist. But because he doesn't know or she doesn't know, then they have this thing about, oh, this one knows her rights. I've got to keep moving. So... There's a lot of work to be done with people, with people. Had you known at that age what was happening to you, what you were in, you probably would have gotten out faster. Yeah, it's the same with me. Had I understood certain things, had I been equipped with certain things, I wouldn't have gone into abusive relationship after abusive relationship after abusive relationship. We are taught that if this person doesn't hit you, if this person doesn't go out and cheat on you, then you're not being abused. Everything is fine. But it took me a long while to understand that what's happening here is emotional abuse. What's happening here is financial abuse. What's happening here is psychological abuse. And guess what? It's verbal abuse. And listen, I'm not going to take it because it is worse than if you had just taken up something and slapped me across my face. Yeah. In Jamaica, we say the lick cool. If you slap me, it's going to cool off. But when you hurt me with your words, it takes forever and a day for that to go. Sometimes it never even goes. I can block a physical assault quicker than I can block the things that you feed my mind way quicker. I've blocked a lot of stuff, but I can never forget the way you said something and the, the look you had on your face where you were standing. I hold on to those things because it leaves a mark. It leaves a mark. So I, there, there's a lot of work to be done with communities, with women, with, with girls, with girls growing up in society. There is so much that needs to be done I went to Catholic school for a lot of my high school life, and I'm grateful for that. I am very grateful for that because I learned a lot that I did not get when I started a co-head school. And that for all my life made me realize that there need to be more spaces for girls to come together and be taught the things that we need to talk, talk about. Just the same for boys. It's the exact same that I think for boys. That where commonalities lie, there need to be that stage where we can talk about things openly and get to understand ourselves, get to understand and know ourselves. And that goes for loads and loads of commonalities, loads. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I think there should be more schools where parents have an option to go to an all boy, all girls schools. I do feel like the, um, the lessons are different. I feel like the teachers are more comfortable there. And I feel like the students are more comfortable because they're with their peers and the pressure is off to have to perform as much. <laughs> it's more like I can focus on my studies. I can focus on building these relationships. And I'm not worried about what this person the opposite sex is. 
So I do want no, to. Um, no, it does. It doesn't always work. Us little lesbian girls. It'll that's be true. Live. That's true. You still have to come and be cute. But it there, there's so many girls. We're feasting all day, every day. That's true. So that would be like a candy store for you, Kamon. However, well, I would have been able to get more work done. I would have been able to focus a little bit more. You know what I mean? I wasn't trying to be cute for Tyrone and Billy. You know what I mean? Um. But I do want to piggyback off what you said, because I, I don't know. I used to be a firm believer that when you know better, you do better. And mm -hmm. people who don't know better, they do bad, right? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that people do what suits them. And yeah. that's why abusers only abuse certain people. That's why you yeah. can have an ex say, you know what? He's a great guy. He would never kill his wife. I don't know who killed his wife. It wasn't him. He never laid a finger on me. Yeah, because you were not a victim in his eyes. You had a good support system. You weren't taking any crap. You probably had the money and you were, you know, running things or you had people around you that would make that would have whooped his butt. You set a boundary. He saw that boundary and he abided by it. Now, it's totally different when he met the woman, you know, his last victim right mm -hmm. he recognized something different he saw something different within her so yeah she became his victim so i used to think my mom didn't know what she was doing when she did what she did but she treated yeah. me differently than she treated my brother she knew how to parent him but she didn't know how to parent me you know yeah. what I mean? my ex didn't do all this stuff to his girlfriend that he had after me you know so I think people do what suits them. People do what they are allowed to do. And what opportunity presents to them. Yeah, and I believe those police officers that show up on the scene are abusive themselves. Yeah. And God forbid if we start prosecuting people that do the same thing I do, that might mean one day I'm going to get caught. I'm not about to jinx myself and take this man to jail and I just choked the hell out of my wife before I left. Mm, not only that, he probably thought, you gave her some slaps. What's the problem? You're going to jail for that. I just slapped up my one. What's the That's problem? Why is she calling the police? Why are you even calling? Because, girl, go. You know, and he dabbed Take your slaps and go sit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, what's the problem? So I believe it's a it's a mentality, but I don't believe. And I don't know. This is risky saying as a therapist, right? So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> believe that all, I don't believe all people can change. Honestly no. believe, I honestly believe that some people enjoy the spaces that they're in. I've talked- Girl, you didn't take no risk just now. You just spoke the goddamn truth. And I'm sure there are people who come to you for therapy and you turn them away because you can't help them. Oh. You know, and you're honest enough to say, I cannot help you. You're not ready to be changed. You're just it's coming for the sake of coming. Certain populations and certain diagnoses. Mm-hmm relish in who they are they enjoy it you know and they'll come to therapy just because it's something they need to check off their list either to get their kids back or they have to fulfill some obligation in their relationship but they know mm -hmm. good and dang on well they didn't come yeah. for change they came to fulfill an obligation so on that note no i feel like a lot of these people know if someone hits, gets hit, and you're a police officer, you remove this, you remove the, the person that's causing the issue. 
Um, it's the same thing with, you know, DHR workers. They come in, they assess the situation. Sometimes they miss things because the people know how to behave in front of them. And yeah. then you have some people whose kids are taken away from them and they don't deserve to have their children taken away from them. It's a lot of women's rights that are violated on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Okay, I do agree with that. There's so much more still to be done, but we're going to continue this, this discussion, but we're just going to take a quick break to lighten the mood a little bit. Not that we want to, but we're going to lighten the mood in case you're listening and you need a breather. Take one with us. We're going to jump into... Fun fact. Okay, you should take us away. All right. So, Kamon, did you know that the oldest living land animal is a tortoise named Jonathan, who's about to turn 190 years old. He was born in 1832 and has lived on the island of St. Helena in the Atlantic Ocean since 1882. Girl, how was I gonna know this? I wasn't checking out no tortoise. <laughs> but girl, how do they know that it's the same one? I don't know. They probably marked it. You know, they put those little tags and stuff on them. And it's lasted for all those years. So he's got a whole population that's working, a whole team that's working for him year, like decade after decade after decade. Yeah. I did not know that, but that's super interesting. Do you think they switched them out like they do our hamsters when our when our hamsters used to die? Our parents they, used to switch them out. They better not play with that. They better not play. <laughs> no, <laughs> but... Let me put on my mathematician's hat. They can prove if it's literally, if it's really um that old. Yeah, they mm -hmm. can prove it. Unless nobody with smarts have gotten access to it yet to prove it. But they can do. They can do. Let's hope they're not lying to us and that real people have proven that this thing was really born at that, at that time. Would you want to live to be 190 years old in this world? Girl, today? I'm not even trying to get to 70. What are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> I'm not trying to get to 70. <laughs> 70 is not that old, come on. That's not that much older than me. Girl, I'm not trying to get to even 70. My yes. wife is older than me, and I'm trying to go when she goes. I'm not trying to get to 70. Hey's gonna live until she's 190. Don't even don't even pray that for her. Kay would die if she must get to a hundred. <laughs> she would not cope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh no, I, I I don't want longevity. God, guys, if you don't believe in God, sorry, but just give me a moment. Dear God, I do not want longevity. We I know we talk about it all the time, but please remember my name, Kamon Sharnagay Brown, Chabalala. Please ensure that I don't get longevity. Remove me from that queue, dear Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I do not want it. I want it. I want to be here. Girl. Great, 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 great. I just want to be in good health. I just want to still, you know, feel good. I don't want to be in a state where anybody has to take care of me, like me or anything like that. We can cut I'm going to leave off. you here. I'm going to leave you here. I'm not staying with you, babe. Listen, let me tell you something. You're going to make it. We're going to be old. All of us <laughs> old in the rocket chairs. Me, you, Kate, Kwan. We're going to be rocking in the rocket chairs in Thailand, living our best life in our hoods. Girl, bye. Fishing with you a You know, they haven't been. 
<laughs> they have some beautiful um elderly facilities in Thailand where it's like really happening. But sis, I'm trying to do that. We're gonna make it happen. So I'm gonna reverse your prayer. I don't know oh. if I can do that, but I'm gonna reverse it. All right. Dear God, please don't listen to your show today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you when we get when we get when I get an opportunity, I'm gonna tell you a story about a woman who prayed a prayer like that and she had to change it. Well, go ahead. Yeah, guys, we're gonna we're gonna save that for the what do you call this thing? We're gonna save it for what's that called? What's that thing called that we do? The Not the TikTok. We're gonna save it for TikTok. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you haven't seen yet, guys, we did a mukbang. Yes, mukbang. Oh, Jackson has tried to teach us how to play this mukbang. His daughter. <laughs> we did one yesterday. Go check it out on YouTube. But we're just gonna jump right back into the discussion. This is a topic that Yushim is gonna talk to me about. We're gonna save that on the TikTok channel. So come over there and check it out. It is the System Podcast. Check us out. But Yushima, before we move on, now. We talk about International Women's Day, yeah? And you would think that as women, we would all want the same, well, the same, well, it differs, but we all want to know that all women everywhere, regardless of the child, of the differences that they have with us, that we would all want all women everywhere to enjoy this day. But, I mean, from a therapy from your perspective, I'm sure you've had, you know, situations like that, but have you experienced where a certain group of women don't believe that a certain group of women should have the same rights. And what do you think about that? You already know what I'm going to say. I don't even know why you set Alice. me up for this. I don't know if you're trying to get me canceled. I don't know what your motivation is behind this <laughs> well, question. No, I'm not. No, let's but, talk about it. We're talking about International Women's Day. International Women's Day. But I'll put it this way. Regardless of race, socioeconomic status, beliefs of culture broken women cannot want something better for other women whatever that broken woman may look like right True. because I've met broken women of all races and when I say broken I mean bitter hateful vengeful racist or prejudiced biased um, just even hurt, you know, hurt women, right? So when you find women in those spaces who are not in a, in a space where they are ready to heal or if they don't believe they're capable of healing or if they don't want to heal because they get power from being rude and disrespectful and hateful. If this is their superpower, why would they change it if it's been working for them? That group of women I find are... Uh, less likely to root for their sisters or unlikely to root for their sisters to do better. Um, instead, they see it as a direct, not only competition, but as um, an entrenchment on their life. You know, like, oh, you're you're affecting me because you're doing better. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I have to hold you back in order for me to feel better about myself. So yeah, I see it every day. I saw it in my personal life. I see it in my professional life and I'm going to continue to see it until the end of time. And it's unfortunate because you can even break it down into subgroups. You could take race out of it. It's some parents like this that feel like they can parent better than you or, you know, try to get your kids taken from you because 
they have an issue with their parenting styles or, you know, and usually it has nothing to do with you. It's something that they're projecting onto you. So, yeah, I've seen it in all types of different classes. Mm -hmm. What about you? It's the same for me, but on, on a, I think on the level that it, I remember it was, I think it was in 2008, 2007 or eight, but I had gone to, I think it's women, women deliver. No, it wasn't women De deliver a wit conference. It's one of these women conference conferences. There's all the, there are all these international conferences and stuff. And I was invited to this um, women's conference. We're going to present a paper. We're going to present a presentation or something. We're doing something there, a workshop or something. But at the time I was heavily involved in LGBTQ rights. Yeah. And I thought it was very important for lesbian and bisexual women's rights to be considered in the women's movement. Yeah. Because so I, I was busy with a research that that's where that book came from. When, when the rape becomes accept, acceptable, um, it came, it was born out of that when, you know, we were talking about the whole idea that women, it doesn't matter their, their, their sexual orientation. It doesn't matter sexual orientation. It doesn't matter their religion or whatever. At the end of the day, we have something in common. We're women. And as women, there are rights that we should have that we should all share. Yeah. And I was at this conference and we were on this like side. It was like a breakout session. So I went to this breakout session because I thought it was very important. And I remember there were a group of us lesbian women from all over the world. We were together and we decided we're going to go to that session because I think it's important that we're, we're there in that space because nobody ever considers us in that space. And we went to this session and I remember we were there and they were going on and on and on. And they were talking about all the other all other women except lesbian and bisexual women. And on the panel, there was no representation. And I thought, this does not make sense to me. And I remember we, we decided that, no, we need to involve lesbian and bisexual women in the, into this discussion. So whenever there was a time to discuss and we were talking, we were trying to put ourselves into it and say, but we also have this problem. We also have this problem. We are facing domestic abuse in our relationships, even though it's same-sex relationships. We are facing issues with, you know, or sexual and reproductive health, but we need to talk about these things as well. And I remember this young lady got up and she was so frustrated with us. First of all, she thought we shouldn't have been there. Yeah. But what got me, this was a Muslim woman. And what got me was her thinking that because we're lesbian and bisexual women, we shouldn't have any rights. And that, it moved me in a different kind of way because I remember thinking, this is just crazy. This is absolutely mind-blowing that you as a woman, one of the most oppressed set of women in society, yeah? For you to be so oppressed and have to go through that and you can't see the oppression that we're facing and sympathize, empathize, be compassionate, to say that, hang on a minute, but there's this group of women that also deserve their rights. And I remember getting up and I said, when there's a, when the Muslims are marching, I'm a march for your rights because you deserve to enjoy your rights as a human being. When the Christians are marching, I'm a march for your rights because you deserve to, be, to live free as a human being. Whoever is marching 
If the men are marching and they want me to join, I'm going to join them because they deserve their human rights. I'm going to stand up to say that your human rights matter. You deserve to live free because you were born free. You were born free. If they didn't go and register you with this government of where you live, no one know, would know that you exist. You could just be who you want to be. You could be out in the bush and just be, yeah? So you were born free, but you live in this systematic society where we have to abide by rules and laws, and that's completely fine. But it needs to be equal where all of us are able to live equally and in freedom, live freely, yeah? So that for years... And it, it has come up so many different times to the point where I got to a point where it's, I'm not going to have a discussion about it. Because if you call yourself a human rights activist and you can't look inside yourself and say that everybody deserves their basic human rights, then something is fundamentally wrong with you. You're not a human rights activist. You're someone who just believes that you should speak up for what you believe in. And that's completely okay. But don't say that you believe in the rights of human beings when you believe that some must be sidelined. Side That's where I think. But for me, all women, all women, when we talk about International Women's Day that we're celebrating tomorrow, for me, it represents all women, even the murderous women, the women who have done horrible things and are now in jail. They too have rights. They do have rights. We all have rights. And the, the, when we talk about international human rights, we're talking about all the rights of all women, regardless of the other things that you identify as. So I have an ignorant question. Yeah. And charge it to my mind and not my heart. Who separated the LGBTQ community from the women's right movement? Were they just, that, that was never a category in the panel? Like they never had a representation, like a representative? to like oh no no i i thought you meant in general but no what what it was is so you can come with your panel with your panel discussion that you want to present and you decide who is going to be on your panel but of course a lot of people are ignorant and they don't understand excuse me I'm drinking a lot of water, guys, and I'm just like, yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that there needs to be equal representation. And when you're talking about certain things, especially when it comes to sexual reproductive health and rights, lesbian, bisexual women need to be included. We need to be included. If we're not included in the, in the discussion, then you can't say you're having a discussion about women. You're not, because you're not talking about all women. And I feel the exact same way if you're if you're sidelining Muslim women when you're talking about SRHR because their right, their sexual and reproductive health and rights, it's complex. And it's so if we're gonna talk about sexual and reproductive health, then we have to talk about them as well because it is such a big deal in that community. So now I'm thinking about other marginalized group and the people that came to my mind were the disabled women. Yeah, like we leave them out of Mental no. ill, mentally ill no. women? Was there someone to no. represent a person who was actually mentally ill? Was there somebody to represent a woman who, you know, a single mother? A it wasn't representative. You see what I'm and saying? I think like, that's why we wanted to go because we felt like they were discussing a topic that was relevant to all women and they made a huge mistake by not allowing representation. And that's the problem Dude. when these bills are being passed and when these laws are being passed and these bills are, you know, being put out there because who's making 
the law is not affecting the, like the people who are making the laws are making laws for people and it won't affect them. You yeah. Know? I can't make a law about men's balls. Put your balls I don't got a balls. I don't know. I don't if know you, enough to, to make a law about men's but balls. But that doesn't matter. Nobody ever thinks about that. That's not the argument. You know what I mean? Men are like, I want women to do this. So if I want to have a baby, if I put a baby in you, even if it's by force, yeah, you're gonna keep you this must baby. keep it. Yeah, and you're gonna raise this baby. You're gonna take care of this baby, or I'm putting you in jail for you know attempted M word, or I'm a, for neglect. Yeah, and that's not that's not cool. So yeah, I see what you're saying. I feel you on that. Okay, come on. What are you reading? Oh, this week I'm reading, I, I still have, I think, one chapter of that book to read, Among Us, that yeah. is still coming out on the 31st of April by Zane Michaels. I'm very impressed, actually. I'm very, very impressed. You know, when I, when I got into publishing, guys, this is a book that I've published. I think I mentioned it on last week's podcast. But when I got into publishing, I wanted to get people who love writing to be able to write and get their work out there. Yeah. And this young person, I, I added this imprint back in, I think last year or the year before, because I really wanted to get young people into writing. A lot of young people write, but their work never gets published. So I had to work out how I'm going to work with the parents or the guardian to, you know, because a child can't sign a contract with you. But I'm very, very impressed with the books that we're getting out, getting in. And when you look at it, because... I edit lots of books. I read lots of books. But when I look at it, I'm looking at it that this is a young person who has written this and I'm enjoying yeah. the book. I'm really, it's 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 amazing to see that this is a young man who who did this. He just decided he's going to do it and he's, did, he's done it. And I'm proud. He's got loads more that he wants us to publish. So I'm really, really proud. And I'm looking forward to publishing more of his stuff. You guys won't have it yet. It's, uh, you can place your order. It's already up on loads of platform. It is Zane Michaels. Z-A-N-E-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. And his book is Among Us. It's very interesting. I quite like it. Go ahead and check him out. Yes, it sounds good. You know, I, I always support the books that Tamron Hill Press publish. And <laughs> I would definitely partake in that. All right. Um, what are you reading? I'm listening to my Audible book. Picking up the pieces to 100 broken. Problems. Oh, you're finally listening to it. And it is difficult to hear in someone wow. else's. It's hard to hear the stories again in someone else's voice. Um, and so I'm trying to just listen to it and dissociate it from my experience, if that makes sense, right? So I'm trying to listen to it with fresh ears, like, okay, this is about someone else, like detach almost. Because to hear it again, it's different when I'm reading it to myself. I hear my voice. I hear, you know what I mean? But then to hear it being read to me, I'm like, oh, it's almost like this is what this is mm -hmm. like to me. Yeah. Someone watching me through my window get dressed. I'm naked and they can see me. Or it's like somebody's reading my diary. Oh, and wow. That's what it feels like. Because my book is so intimate. You know what I mean? Like very it has, intimate, guys. If you haven't intimate. read it yet, you need to read it because Listen. it's very intimate. Picking up the pieces to 100 Broken Promises, Yushima Cherry Burks, right? Um, we'll leave it in the comment section. It will be down there. 
but it's one of those things where it's like, oh my God, all of, I feel vulnerable. That's the word. I, yeah. I just feel really vulnerable listening to it. So I've been like listening and trying to do something while I'm listening, cleaning up or vacuuming <laughs> or something. Then I'm like, oh, talking to people like, but I'm like, okay, let me focus. So it's been interesting. Everyone who has listened to it, I've gotten so much great feedback from it. And this is right-handed guy. The, uh, everybody in my parenting, I just did a parenting group. It's called uh, The Philosophy of Parenting. It was really, really good. I did it on Wednesdays for the month of February. So they knew I was an author, the people who hired me to do the workshop. And mm -hmm. everyone bought a book. They either bought oh, the wow. audible version or they bought the hard copy. And every week they would come back and say, oh my God, I'm on chapter such and such. Oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Oh my, you know, and it's like, I would be sitting there like, oh, thank you for reading it. And she would be like, girl, so what's, what's going on with Mikey or what's going on with AJ? You know, they would just ask these questions <laughs> and it was cool. It was really cool, but it was like, oh my God, I feel like somebody's picking my soul apart. You know what I mean? Because it's really about me. I probably should have ghostwritten or, you know, put like a different name. On no, but I'm no. Happy I, that I did it. I'm I am it. too, because you showed me so much courage in that. I think I've said it before, but to see you so naked and to know you, it is. I've not written my memoir yet. I've written loads and loads and bits and parts of it. And a lot of times when I when I get to writing, I have to remember that it's okay. Yushima did it and she's still alive. Yeah. So I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay if I just speak my truth. I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that a lot of women, a lot of people who read that book, they are thinking the exact same thing. She told her truth and she's still standing. She's even standing taller. And girl, I am so proud of you. I am grateful yeah. for you. You have no idea. And to those of you who are listening, I'm just going to throw this out there. You should didn't even know this because I didn't know she was going to bring up the book. But guys, I'm going to give you, if I'm going I'm to give away one for the .co.uk site for Amazon. So I'm going to give away one free copy of the Audible for Yushima's book. So comment in the, I don't know how it works, comment in the comment section or go ahead and send us a your contact information. I'm gonna just give it to the first person that gets in touch with us. Let us know that you want the audio book and I'm gonna give away one for the .com side. So I'm gonna give away two books. Mm. I don't know, I might be generous. I might be more generous. If you haven't got Audible yet, don't worry about it because you do. You can do a, a 30 day free trial with Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes. you can do that and listen to the book and then call it a day. But I'm going to do that. And you know what? Every week I'm going to be giving away a book because I'm a publisher. Why not? I'm going to be giving away some audio books so you guys can, you know, get into it and see what we're talking about. Zane Michaels, I'm reading it. I'm going to give you one when it's out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't enter this. I can't enter it, huh? Okay, it's cool. I'm going to buy it. It's cool. You know, <laughs> thank you, Kamal, because I'm going to tell you what. I, I have an event coming up. And so this is going to be good for, I have them enter into the, comments as well good job yeah. yeah thank you so we're gonna get started with the next segment segment before we wrap up okay come on so now we're back from what are you reading and I just want to say I never really identified and I think we had this conversation years ago when you asked me if I was a feminist and I was like no and you were like why not you couldn't believe what <laughs> you were just like why not I was like because like I just never Put a label on it. And I think I told you that that wasn't our movement. <laughs> I was like, that's mm -hmm. not our movement. Mm 
But we can be active in those spaces and still do it without the label. Because I think what happens with the label is, for me, it diminishes it. Because it has, just like the Black Lives Matter thing, right? I know Black Lives Matter. You know Black Lives Matter. But for some reason, any movement that we take up, people take it. Mm-hmm. They make something bad out of it. You know what I mean? Not that they've made anything bad out of um black feminine, black feminists, but Oh, they have. Oh, they have, sister. I oh. used to think I used to see feminist as a the word feminist as a dirty word. So for me, we had a preference. I've seen both sides of it, right? I understand what it means, but I guess because it's been so innate, just like with you. It's been so innate. I've gotten into fights since I was a little girl about stuff. You know what I mean? My dad's mom was a teacher. She did all these things that you're discussing, that I'm discussing. It's in my blood. It's who I am, DNA. I can only imagine who my great-great-great-grandparents were. My great-great-grandmama was a gangster. She used to sell moonshine. That's neither here nor there. However... (laughs) I got a little bit of that in me too. Granny was, granny was a thug, but she was about four feet tall and she was going to cut you. She ain't playing. So I got a mixture. I got a mixture. But I've always had this within me. And at some times I felt like it was a blessing. Most times I felt like it was a curse. And it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted. Mm-hmm. It was like a God-given need to protect people. Mm-hmm to help people, to stand up for people and to be the only one doing it. When my daughter was raped in daycare, when she was three years old, there was no internet like it is now. It was internet, but it wasn't like it is now where you could find resources. They didn't have groups to prognosticate child sexual abuse, abuse and neglect. I had to create that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I had to create a group to educate people And I had to, for two years, go to court, go to the library, because we didn't have the internet to get information from, (laughs) right? I had to gather information by visiting different agencies to see what it is that they offered. There was no help. And if there was help, there may have been some counseling sessions for the child, but what about the parent? Yeah. Right? So I had to create something in every space that I've ever been in because I came in knocking down doors, not because I wanted to, but because I had to. Mm -hmm. And so I never even thought of the name for it. I never knew what this meant. I didn't call myself an advocate until somebody else was like, oh, so you're an advocate against child abuse, you know, sexual abuse, abuse, and neglect. It was the exact same for me. I was just me. I was just me and I just stood for something. And I remember when someone called me a feminist and I said, well, why would you say that? Because the only time I've ever heard it, it was used derogatory. It was used as, I must have been about 18, 19. And I remember being asked, so are you a feminist? I'm like, no, don't call me that. Don't call me that. I don't hate men. I don't mm-hmm. date them, but I don't hate them. Mm-hmm. I've got my brother. I've got my dad. I've got boys that are my friends. Mm-hmm. I know the importance of men in society. I don't hate men. I just don't want to sleep with them. And then that person was patient enough. It was a much older lady at the time. And she was very patient to sit me down. And and when we and then I was like, oh, so I am a feminist. 
-hmm. and that was a thing that I learned for the day that I'm actually a feminist so I uh, yeah it's just like being a lesbian or being femme and all these things people expect me to be feminine they don't expect me to go outside and use my saw and my hammer and my everything they don't expect that when they see they think what but you're living with someone who is tomboy they should be doing all of that and I'm thinking what what are you on about I've got two hands they work and I know how to do it I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it I've been in relationships where I've dated masculine presenting girls who knew nothing about fixing a pipe in the house fixing about fixing this in the house that was what I do so you're right in saying that yeah all these labels they do cause issues sometimes they do but I suppose for whoever wants to identify it's, it's important it's how they say who they are right it and is I a think, part of me, a part of who I am but right. it's not who I am right and I think all of these pieces of us matter right yeah and that's why we need different types of feminists different types of activists different types of whatever it is that you do to fill in the gaps for our brothers and sisters who may not be equipped to handle the load it's only a few that carry the bunch it's always been like that. In any group that you find yourself in, there will always be one or two people that's mainly doing the work within a certain radius, right? So when you find yourself in those spaces, I don't get frustrated anymore because I used to. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why aren't more people out here doing this? Don't people know that kids are getting molested? Like, oh my God, like, you know, but everybody's not called to do yeah what you've been called to do. And at the end of the day, it's not a conference call. What I was called to do was between me and God. I never had to explain myself to anyone else, just like nobody has to explain themselves to me. So I stopped asking the question, why aren't more people doing what it is that, you know, I was called to do? They have their own gifts, talents, and, you know, expertise that the Lord is working with them within, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for them. So, and on some days, I'll be honest with you, on some days I embrace it. And on some days I'll be like trying to pray it away. It's exhausting. You know, <laughs> like how many people- exhausting. Me and You're going to pick your battles though. Yeah. When we got together, we were in Publix. He would have to tell you this story. And I'm going to tell you. And then mm -hmm. next time you talk to him, I'm going to let him tell you. And- this guy, well, first it was this woman walking down the aisle. She had black eyes. I don't know if I put this in my book or not. I can't remember. But so many things happened. So much is in the book. I don't know. She had black eyes. She had bruised face. Little bitty white woman. She on a green jacket. She just looked very disheveled. And she was looking for something to eat. But she could barely see because her eyes were swollen shut. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, I'm about to go ask her if she's okay. Like, we may need to take her to the hospital. This is why I'm telling Kwan, leave the buggy. We'll come back and get our food. We may need to take her to the hospital. So he was like, you need to mind your business. Every time we go somewhere, you be trying to save somebody. So this is what he's telling me quietly. So this big old cornbread-fed white dude came up behind her. Dude had to be at least 6'9", six, 6'10", six, <laughs> at least. My husband is 5'6", and at the time, he was 155 pounds. Kwan used to be real thin, but he was built right. Kwan was like, look, you can have to sit this about. This <laughs> <laughs> one out. We can go in the car and pray for her. But um, <laughs> do you see who she went? 
probably have to run him over with the car. You would have to drag her out. I would have to run him up. It's too much. He was just so stressed out. So I started to impact that what I wanted to do had me. Like he would be so stressed whenever we went somewhere. Like, Lord, please don't let us see somebody that means something. Because we're going to have to pull over. We have to talk and engage. And, you know, and that's why in the mukbang, when I say mm-hmm. I finally realized we have to let God do his job. Not everybody <laughs> should be approached that looks like they need him. At the end of the day, I'm not going to put myself at risk anymore. I used to didn't care, right? I've gotten older, I've gotten wiser. Um, but I'm not going to put myself at risk anymore for these spaces if the Lord didn't direct me to do it. Does that make sense? If I, if I feel like the Lord is telling me, okay, come on, that one, go talk to him. I'll, I'll go. I'm not going to say without hesitation because I'm going to make sure it's him. Like, hold on. <laughs> what was that? You know what I mean? And sometimes he'll repeat himself and sometimes he won't. <laughs> say it again. This one. Oh, okay. This one, that's, that's talking to herself. You want me to talk to that one? Cool, cool. Yeah. Ask her. She wants okay. So I go do that. You know what I mean? But it's just about obedience and it's about balance because we would try to save the world, come on, and we weren't called to save the world. No, but I'm lucky because I've never thought that I could save the world. I've never thought that I could. I've always, I've all, you know, I grew up hearing this thing and I think I took it to heart. Teach a man to fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'll be fishing for himself for the rest of his life. But if you keep fishing for him and I believe that even with my charity, it helps, you know, people families who can't afford to send their kids to school but my program it's not a handout Mm -hmm. if you come to me and say that you've not got a job but you've got business idea or you've not got a job because you can't find a job I'm gonna help you to find a job while I help your child through school for a year but within a year make sure that with all the resources that I'm giving you with all the teachings that I'm giving you you're looking after yourself to make sure that at the end of the year you're going to be looking after yourself and your child because I can only do it for a year yeah Mm -hmm. So I've always believed that. I'm going to tell you what your rights are. I'm going to tell you that you can do this. This is what's available to you. But if you're not ready to leave this dude, if you want to take being punched down a few more times, I'm going to leave you, sis, because I know that you're going to have to do this on your own and when you're ready. So I've never, but I've always, always, always felt that I should stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And like you said, there were times when I, I took it on, when it wasn't mine to take on, and I didn't hear the right voice. So now, girl, I even take it a step further. I'm going to say, prove that it's you that's talking to me. <laughs> prove that it's you. T- do this, and I'm going to go do that. I don't play, because God, yes. I always tell God, listen, you're not about to use me up and spit me out. Mm-hmm. We're working together here, and you're going to have, you know, you know far more than I know. You know far, you, you, you are the ever seeing, ever knowing. So ever knowing, ever seeing, tell me what to do. I'm going to do it. But don't send me into a trap that's going to damage me. I'm playing that no more. If it's not for me, don't send me that. And I don't believe that that's what he wants from me. It's crazy. It's it's so good that you said that because I just I just had a, a voice in my head that said, mm, get someone else to do it. Like that's how I be feeling sometimes too. It's a little TikTok <laughs> going around where it's a little boy that came up to his sister like, sister, can you do that? And she was sitting down, she said, get somebody else to do it. That's how I be feeling when God be asking me to do stuff sometimes. <laughs> but I never believed that God wanted me to be in a situation where I was being hurt. So when no. people try to utilize the Bible or religion to stay in unhealthy marriages, and they say, well, you know, you'll be committing adultery if you leave your partner 
uh, without infidelity or, you know, all these stipulations that's put on it, right? This was never mine to begin with. I did this out of disobedience. So yep. just like you forgave me for everything else that you've forgiven me for, mine did cheat. So I had a right to leave, you know what I mean? But the church still tried to shame me into staying in this abusive marriage. And that's what I mean about toxic sy systems mm -hmm. that can keep you in bondage. But we'll talk about that right after. This, this is, is not a drill. drill. Let's play naughty or nice. Okay, so my darling, which one are you choosing? Naughty or nice? Naughty. Okay, so my darling, we're of the age when we used to print photos and stuff like that and have to go pick them up. Have you ever been embarrassed to pick up your photos because you remembered what was on them? And what were you embarrassed about picking up? <laughs> so that's before yeah. selfies were a thing. Selfies mm -hmm. were a thing. And I had disposable cameras. And yes, but here's the thing. I wasn't embarrassed until the creepy photo guy made it weird when I went to pick up my photos. I never thought about the fact that somebody may have to see this. Yeah. Like it didn't, you're 19, 20, 18, body tight and right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I ain't really had no kids in the world. I'm trying to hide nothing. You know what I mean? So if I wanted to take a little picture, maybe a hand covering here and there, you know, to keep or to give away, whatever. I got some pictures floating out there. You wouldn't know it was me though. But um, it's been a time when the creepy, we used to go to Walgreens to get our, our film developed because they had the best prices. And it was a time or two when the old, well, not so old, he was older than me. A creepy guy just would look at me like when I came in. And it didn't occur to me until I looked through my pictures like, oh, okay, this dude was a pervert. So that changed <laughs> me taking nude photos or, you know, risque photos. It like messed it up for me. So then Polaroids became a thing. Yeah. So we had to stay But those were so expensive. Because mm -hmm. that was like $27 for like 12 pictures back then. That was like $1,000 to us. We, you know, we <laughs> didn't make nobody like that. Girl, that was a whole lot of money. So, yeah, I got a picture or two floating out there somewhere. Hey, you see, if you got my picture, you can post it. I ain't mad. Because <laughs> I was tagging me in. You can post a tag me in. <laughs> tag me in. <laughs> <laughs> not a video that's a different not a video you know who you are yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah I don't oh. think I have yeah it's only my adult life that I've sent and it's one person that I was dating that I would send those things to and... because you had that one partner that made you feel so beautiful that you wanted to send them photos. no it wasn't the case for me this one was just a freak 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 she was a freak 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 oh and i embraced her freak 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 <laughs> but she was too freak 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 <laughs> this went dark really quick come on say no she was just a freak and i yeah. just sent it to her out of obligation <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was because he made me feel beautiful and plus i felt like i was fine anyway okay yeah. Um, and it was my right to do so. I would not do that now. 
not in this day and age. Ooh, think about yeah. it. The things It'll that be we everywhere. The stuff we did, our kids would never have an opportunity to do without it becoming a I thing. It would be all it's over. Quite sad. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't judge like when these young people end up on the internet or they're doing OnlyFans and all the stuff they're doing. If there was an OnlyFans in 1997, baby. <laughs> and only queen, it would have been called Only Come On. <laughs> you hear me? That would have been the name of the, of the, of the whole thing. It would have been Only Come On. Cause I would have rocked that bad boy. I was, I'm pretty sure I would have been on there. So I don't judge people. I'd be like, oh, she's still young. That's why I always ask, how old is she? You hear me asking that when you're telling me a question about somebody, I'd be like, wait, how old is she? And if she's <laughs> under certain age, I'm like, ah, yeah, that would have been me. He's living. Been me. He's living. Live on, sis. Live your best life. It's like, it does not bother. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay, come on. So before we started talking about naughty or nice, we were getting into this system, Sis- systems that, I don't know if you want to use the word oppress um, women, systems that set in place that are toxic or that oppress women. And an example that we discussed was church. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? There are loads and loads and loads. When you look at it, it happens everywhere. You know, and I'll tell you guys a quick story. I know that the podcast has been going and going and going, but we'll wrap up soon. But when I was, I used to love church. When I say I used to love church, I used to be the first up on Sunday morning. I don't care what's happening, but I'm going to go to church. Yeah. I used to love it. And, and I, I remember, so there during this time of my life we were so poor we were so so poor like when I say poor I mean dirt poor and I remember my aunt coming from overseas I was wearing like the exact same skirt the exact same top the exact same pair of shoes to go to church every single week because I wanted to go I found my peace there I wanted to go even when none of my brother and sisters would come I would go and I would make sure that I get up do what I wanted to do and I'd go And I remember my aunt brought me this dress. I was about 11 or 12. I know I was very young, maybe even 10, 11, but I was super young, super, super young. I didn't even have boobs yet. And my aunt brought me this dress and it was this dress that had spaghetti straps. It was a black dress and it was fitted, but it wasn't long. It was above my knee. And I got this dress and I was so excited because I'm like, oh my God, we didn't go anywhere else. My mother didn't have money to take us anywhere else. So I knew that I was going to wear that church, that dress to church. And I got up and I felt so good when I put on that dress and I felt special. And I went to church. And when I went to church, so I must have been 11 or so. So when I went to church, my teacher, who was also at church, my geography teacher, I'll never forget. And I hope you're listening to this, Miss, because you traumatized me for the rest of my life. She tapped me on my shoulder and she was like, why are you wearing that to church? And I'm like, huh? And I looked at her and then she literally, we had just finished praise and worship and girl praise and worship used to be my favorite part of church. I used to feel the Holy Ghost as they used to say. And I used to move throughout the church and I used to be happy. 
And I just come off that beautiful high. When I say a beautiful high, I was feeling good. I felt like I'm gonna just listen to the sermon now and I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna feel sanctified, I'm gonna feel happy, I'm gonna be good. I was only 11 and she tapped me on my shoulder and she was like, why am I wearing that dress? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then she was like, you can't wear that dress to church. You're tempting um, these men or something like that. Something, the effect of what she said, I was tempting these men. Yeah. She literally said that. And I remember I turned and she said to me, don't wear it back to church. And I remember I turned around and I was so offended. I sat there boiling and boiling and boiling and boiling And in the end, I just couldn't sit out the sermon. And this pastor was preaching. I remember the sermon had to do with something about coming to God and God accepting us for who we are and whatever. And I got so angry because I felt like the message didn't match up with what this woman, who was a grown woman, was saying to me. And I got up, Yoshima. I was so angry. And I shouted and I said, stop lying. Stop standing up there and lying. I said, how dare you lie about God accepting us and everyone accepting us and whatever when this woman is doing this? And I said, this is what she said. And I'm very upset and I'm never coming back to this church. And I remember I walked outside. I was so angry. I mean, when I say angry, because all that was going through my mind, there were little girls who were being molested. There were little girls who were being raped. And you were saying that I'm tempting these men. So if that happens to me by someone in that church, then it would have been my fault. Mm-hmm. And I was livid. When I say livid, I mean livid, 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 livid. I spent the rest of the semester in her class and I never spoke to her. I just couldn't stand her. And I remember my pastor asking me what, what happened. And she he wanted this lady to apologize to me. And I said, I don't need her apology. I'm not coming back to your church. And I never went back. I never went back because I just thought the message does not match what you're saying and your beliefs. And I was always like, even now I have that problem. I'm someone, if you say to me, come on, the moon is blue. And I go outside and you're looking at the moon and telling somebody else that it's red. And I know that you know that it's red and you lie to me. I'm going to cut you off. I don't want anything to do with you because why did you come in and lie to me? I didn't even ask you what, what color the moon is. And you come and lie to me like that or you did that. So I, I, I'm that type of person. I know it's not always good, but I just couldn't deal with that lady. And I never, ever spoke to her again. Never spoke to her again. I hate that that happened to you. She snuffed out your life. She snuffed it out. And this happens so much in church with little girls and women. And I'm Mm -hmm. so sick of men never being reprimanded about their lack of Mm self-control, about their their perversions that have nothing to do with me. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that being the narrative. I'm sick of girls being, oh, this is what you were feeling when we were having the bathing suit conversation. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> no, but I've always, because I've written a book. I don't know where I'm going to put it out yet. But for a long while, I was very conflicted with a lot of things that happened to me throughout life. I was very conflicted about my body and the way I presented to society, because as a human being, I don't like wearing clothes. I love fashion. I love, mm-hmm. love fashion. I am obsessed with fashion. 
but I want to wear it, get it off and I'm done. I want to put it on, see how it looks on me and I'm done. I could spend the whole day not wearing anything and that makes me happy. So when I'm forced to do it and I haven't put out the book yet because I'm not sure if I want to pose on it naked. I feel like I want to pose on it naked because I need to take my life back in that regard. But so often that has been just sucked out of me that I'm not free to wear what I want to wear and I'm not free to present how I want to present. And that is scary because it robbed a lot of my life from me and it's been happening since childhood. So I don't like anything to do with anybody telling me what to wear and how to wear it. If Kay was that type of wife, we would not be married. We would not be together. She just lets me be. And I love that. Being with Kay has given me a lot of myself back in that regard because I can do and wear whatever I want to wear. You can be. Yeah, I can be you me. Can be you. Without any form of, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I know one system. I received um, a letter in the mail for a church around here. I won't say the denomination. You can guess it. I don't know. But <laughs> they sent out like a newsletter to let everyone know what shoes are acceptable and unacceptable in their church. If you have a peep toe shoe, not more than one and a half toes, I kid you not, <laughs> can show you are not allowed to wear slides. You are not allowed to come without stockings. Who wears stockings anymore? Mm. You're not allowed to wear heels that are higher than a certain amount. And skirts <laughs> had to be a certain length. And it was just all of this. And for the men's side, mm -hmm. I think it said you need to wear socks with your shoes. I think mm -hmm. that was the only rules they had. We should write them a letter. We should let them watch this podcast, child. Let me tell you. And no, we should write them a letter and just give Bible verses mm -hmm. and let them know why we're not coming to their church. And here's the thing. And I'm gonna say, and and that's what I, well, that, that's what we mean. Close this church. Many are called, only a few are chosen, and I don't think you're chosen because people of God would never do this. But here's the thing. This is what I have found. Mm -hmm. The last church that I left. They were well aware of why I left when they called my child, when they said that my child, my child's ADHD was a sign of, of a moral failure, basically, is what it came out to wow. be. Um, and so that was a problem for me. However, my issue was, how can you say this knowing what I talked to you about in your office yesterday, you make this a sermon. I'm not coming back. And the next time I saw him, I let him know why I wasn't coming back. They stood behind mm -hmm. the pastor. So it doesn't matter. They just feel like, well, if you're not coming here, you don't belong here. You don't deserve to be here. And they feel no ways about it. You know what I mean? Like they don't, mm -hmm. they don't care. And it's an issue, not only for me, but for anyone who leaves the church. They don't care that you leave. They feel like you should have left. Good. Not you want to show two toes instead of one and a half. Your heart, <laughs> your spiral, your whore. You know what I mean. You want to show all two toes? No, get out of the church. Like I don't care. So the church is one place that's toxic for women. I say that because of the laws and the way that they portray the Bible when they blame Eve for Adam eating the fruit and all the foolishness that goes on, right? 
I'll say that, but then I'll say this. This church I went to, and I did this parenting group, loving, kind. I didn't feel weird in there. I wore what I wanted to wear. I respected them. Like, I'm not going to come into your space and, like, disrespect your space, right? Um, but I, I had on earrings. They don't wear jewelry, but I had on earrings. You know, I forgot. This is what I wore to work. I'm here after work. When nobody looked at me crazy, though. You know what I mean? I'm not ahead of red couple of times. Nobody said anything. Um, but I felt so comfortable. And the pastor's daughter was actually in my parenting group. And to hear her talk about her childhood just made me fall in love with the church even more. Because what the pastor stood for aligned with what his daughter said. And it was a very candid conversation. Like she told a couple of things like, yeah, and I remember when I was little, my daddy or my mama did a good, but it was nothing that was like detrimental. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to the disappointment that comes from church. So I really considered going this weekend. I think I'm going to go next weekend, but it was a really good experience. I really felt good about it. I was like, oh, I had to come here and visit and see, you know, feel, put my feelers out. I haven't been to church in several years but the lord is <laughs> okay so at the end of the day all right yeah in terms of all the spaces though there are loads of issues because i've got pmdd that's something that we're fighting now i'm even at the point where i'm thinking do i go back to school and study what i need to study to do it myself no, there are a lot of doctors that don't know. So the medical field, they don't know a lot to do with women's body. They, they're trying to take on, the law is trying to take control over bodies. There, there are loads. There's still a lot of work to be done. As I said earlier in the podcast, there's a lot that we have overcome this far. Women can vote. Women can choose to be single parents in some spaces. Women can choose to be lesbian women in some, some, well, not that we choose, but we can, well, it, you know, in a way we choose to, because we can either choose to oppress who we are or choose to be who we are. And we choose to be who we are as lesbian women in those, in, in a lot of spaces. So a lot has changed, but in the same way, there is still a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done in the school system so that girls have more girls are being educated globally. There's a lot to be done so that girls can be taught things that are important to them and their bodies in school without it being like, oh, we can't teach it because boys are in the classroom. Separate them during that time if that's what you've got to do. But boys also need to know about things that has to do with girls and girls need to know about things that has to do with boys. So there's a lot that we still have to do. Yeah, there's a lot that we still have to do and a lot that we don't necessarily need to do depending on which spaces we're in. But yeah, in my opinion, we, we've come a long way and still have a very, very, very long way to go. The fact that we're still arguing about a women's a woman's right to abort a child, that's problematic. That is so problematic. I might not believe in something, but if, if, if it doesn't affect me, it's your body. You are going to have to, whether or not you believe in a God or whatever, you are going to have to, you know, answer to whatever you did in your life or any of that you are going to have to deal with that it doesn't affect me I'm not going to be telling you sis don't do that I'm gonna help if you say you want to abort a baby and you definitely want to you're sure that you want to I'm gonna go online I'm gonna search for you to see where you can go and do it safely I'm gonna help you out but I'm not gonna be like oh don't do it because God said don't do it 
And we shouldn't do it, not because we have a right to, to make laws, mean that we should set laws to oppress people. So many centuries, I'm worried that my great-grandchildren are still going to be fighting about these stupid things. And it's irritating, because when do we stop? When do we just allow ourselves, allow each other to live? I'm, I'm praying that Gen Z make a difference, but then I see so many Gen Z kids who talk very crazy as well. So it's like, what's gonna happen? We're, it's just gonna be cyclical. We're gonna keep going, keep going, keep going until there's nothing else to do. So yeah, there's two, there's still too many spaces where women are still oppressed, where women's, right don't, women's rights don't exist. But to celebrate it, I think that's my closing, this is my closing statement now on this, but to celebrate Women's Day, International Women's Day, I think that it's important. And I think that it's important for us to really celebrate it, like truly celebrate it in, in different ways. In your own families, what, what have you achieved? What have you overcome as women? In, or in my family, for example, it's matriarchal. I grew up with a single mom for a lot of my life. There are a lot of things that I don't agree about in my in how my mother parented me, but there are a lot of things that I look up to her for. So how do I celebrate that? How do I celebrate the fact that I can go out and vote as a black woman, as a lesbian woman, as a woman who, you know, I've got education. I was able to go to schools that kids before me who were of my color weren't able to go to. I've got opportunities that didn't exist before, whether for my race, my gender, my sexuality. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to celebrate. But I want there to be a space where this is not the debate that my grandchildren are going to have. This is not the debate my, that my, my great-grandchildren are going to have. They're not going to be saying that we don't have rights. It doesn't matter who they are. If Look, look where the world is heading. If my child wants to buy a robot and have a robot for a wife instead of a real or instead of a human being, that child should be allowed to do so. And what would that be called? Androsexuality. I don't know. <laughs> Android sexuality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow. That's good. Your butt is witty. That was witty. All right, come on. So that was great. Um I just want to piggyback from my closing and say for Women's Day, if you can't think of a way to help your community, you can start at home. I love what Kamon just said. What things are you doing differently in your family that has made a difference and impacted your life that the women before you either taught you or couldn't accomplish for themselves? For me, it's healing from trauma. This process of healing from trauma has made such a huge difference in my life. Learning how to let go of toxic things, identifying my own toxic traits and making those changes in order to stop the generational curse of uh, negative parenting, of abuse and neglect. Uh, I don't use drugs. You know, It's just a lot of changes that I've made in my life or that I chose to never partake in so that my kids could have a better upbringing than me. My mom wasn't a horrible mother. She was a hurt person. And so my hope for her is still that she would receive the help and the healing that she needs so she can enjoy the rest of her life. And so even coming to a place where I can say that is a it is an improvement. Um, because I genuinely mean it. So let us know in the comments in what ways 
have you changed the trajectory of your life um, by changes that you've made? And what are some changes you would like to make if you haven't had the opportunity to, to do it yet? What are some things that's been passed down to you that you continue to use that's working for your family? Some of you have been blessed to have generations of love and care from the women and men or either or in your family. We want to hear your stories. They're important to us, just as important to us as they are to you. Okay, come on. We're about to wrap up. So what are you manifesting for this week? Girl, I'm manifesting rest. I am so manifesting rest. If you look at me, you can see that I am pushing to get through today. I haven't rested at all. So I'm definitely manifesting rest. I need it. I'm, uh, what are you manifesting? I'm manifesting that for you as well. Can I use mine for you? Because child, listen, <laughs> I know you've been tired. <laughs> I'm going to use mine for you, shoot. You making me sleepy. I'm sitting here looking at you like, child, y'all can't see. Come on. She's still gorgeous. I never saw somebody look like this and be sleepy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's that youth and it's the fact that she eats healthily. Um, That keeps her looking as youthful as she is even when she's tired. Girl, I got these dark circles under my eyes and I get sleepy. My husband said, when I took off my makeup yesterday, because you know I haven't been sleeping, but I did yesterday. But yesterday when I took off my makeup before I went to bed and took a shower, took a bath, my husband said, babe, what happened to your, what to your eyes? I said, this is my face. This is just how <laughs> Just my face. I'm tired. I haven't gotten much rest. Thank you, though. He was like, oh, no, you, yeah, you going to bed now? Yeah, I think you should go on here to go to bed. So those circles come from not sleeping? I was like, yeah. He said, well, you need to you need to go and go to bed now. So slap some yogurt under it. Put some yogurt on your eye. Plain yogurt, Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. I never ever get that though. But I know that's what I used to do when I used to do makeup for people and they come and they have because sometimes makeup can't cover it up. So yogurt cools it down and makes it really nice. Never get that. And never, oh my God, I've never had dark circles. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this right on up so Kamal can take her nap. I'm manifesting not being petty. And <laughs> just Are you ever petty? I am consistently petty. I don't think it goes away. I'm so petty that you don't realize when I'm not being petty. It just seems so regular to you now. I have, I have <laughs> what, uh, what is that, classical conditioned you into just believing my petty is who I am. <laughs> so this is my regular. I'm yeah. really going to have fun this week. So I'm manifesting, enjoying my week mm -hmm. and all of the things that come with it. So just changing my mindset from um, stressed to blessed mm -hmm. and just wanting to enjoy the process that, that we're yeah. in right now. So that's my manifestation. All right. Thank you so much for joining the System Podcast. Remember to like our videos, subscribe, follow, and share. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to listen to our podcast every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Central Time and 1 o'clock GMT. Remember to follow us on social media at The System Podcast. Once you find us in one, you'll be able to find us on all, especially using our link tree, The System Podcast.
And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel on Wednesdays and Thursdays for more video content. And now on Mondays, we've got, say it, say that word. Mukbang. We've got mukbang. Who else Jackson coming here? Mukbang. Jackson. Mukbang. Mukbang. Okay. Mukbang. Mondays. We did our Mukbang Mondays. And one of us had a disaster for our lunch. I'm not going to say which one. But it was a good time anyway. We still enjoyed it. So check that out. I've been your host, Yushima Kamoy, Cherry Burks. And I've been your host, Kimon Brown Chabalala. We will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.